Hello, and thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Well, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and as April's already shared, the theme for today is hope, and we have our first candle lit, uh, reminding us about hope. And as I thought about this Sunday this, this week, the main point is that Christmas is a season to hope. And it's actually a season to look ahead. You know, we remember his first coming when Jesus was born. But I think for us as Christians today, the real reason to celebrate Christmas is that it helps us to look forward to his second coming, the second advent when he comes back. In the early 2000s, I was living in North Vancouver. And at that time in North Vancouver, the the downhill mountain bike craze uh, was was exploding, and everyone who was uh, into sports got into mountain biking. And it's it's a beautiful place to live. There's trails everywhere. I was involved in some mountain bike clubs, and we we built trails. We kind of advocated land for land use to to build more trails, and it was a, it was a it was a lot of fun. And one time I took a ferry with a bunch of friends uh, to the Sunshine Coast. And uh, we, we, early morning you got on the ferry, you went to the Sunshine Coast, and there was this huge trail loop that you had to do. Um, and the catch was you had to finish before the last ferry left. Otherwise you'd spend the night probably in the bush on the Sunshine Coast because there's not hotels and stuff there. It's, it's pretty remote. Um, and I'd never done this ride before, but the, the people that I rode with had done it many times. And I miscalculated how much food and water to bring. And we, we, we landed sometime around 9 or 10 in the morning, rode for a few hours. And uh, while we were riding, I was kind of snacking on my granola bars, drinking the water that I brought. And at about 1 o'clock, we all broke for lunch. And I had finished all my food and my water, and everyone who I was riding with pulled out these you know, big lunch bags out of their backpacks and were happily enjoying their lunch. I think they threw me a few scraps. <laughs> um, but it was another four hours to ride, and I had no more food. And it was, it was an intense ride up and down hills. Um, and I got very hungry and very thirsty, and where the trail ends, you kind of come out on this highway, and you can see, it kind of goes way down to the, to the water side, and you could see the ferry coming in at the end of this highway, and they're all starting to go faster and faster because I think we were a bit behind, and meanwhile, I'd heard people say this, people who do ultra-distance marathons, they kind of hit a wall. You ever heard 
heard that term where someone's doing some kind of athletic thing and they literally hit a wall, you can't go on. Well, I hit the wall. I could not make my legs to go anymore. And I pulled over on the side of the road and I set my bike down and I literally sat down and I remember putting my hands, hands on my head like I was done. I had no more energy, even though I could see the ferry coming in and all my friends are racing down this hill. Um, I, I was just, I couldn't go on. I had hit the wall. And like I said, the catch is if you don't get on this ferry, uh, you're going to spend the night in the bush. And there's lots of bears and stuff around there, so I wasn't keen on that. But then one of my friends saw that I had, I had stopped, and he turned around and he came back up the hill, and he sort of asked me what's going on, and I said, I, I, I just can't. Like, I, I'm out of gas. I, I have nothing left in the tank. I can't go any farther. And then he said the, these magic words. I don't know if you've ever been on BC ferries, but he said, Dave, there's burgers on board. <laughs> and just the thought of a burger was enough. I somehow was able to get back up, get on my bike. And you know how those ferries, they have like a, a ramp at the back where you, you drive on and then when the ferry leaves, these ramps kind of go up and it closes in the ferry. I think literally I went over that and as I was riding on the ramp, they were like the horn blew and the ramp was coming up. I just barely made it. And I, I, I remember just demolishing like two burgers. Like I was just exhausted. Best burgers I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I tell that silly story because I, I think the same way that I was worn out and out of gas, it just didn't seem possible to go on. That can happen in our, in our lives where we feel like we're out of gas. Life can just wear us down and we can feel like, is there any reason to go on? It seems like everywhere we turn, there are new problems in our world. The news that I do listen to, and I try not to listen to the news very much, but we hear over and over of the financial struggles in our country. And I recently heard in a report that um, the... the Basically, what they were saying is there's no way for Canada to pay off its debt. All we can ever do now is, is service our debt as a nation. And that can just feel deflating, like hopeless. It seems like every time we turn on the news, there's a new war, a new conflict in our world. I've mentioned this before, but it feels like our society is, is declining. It's like we're sliding down a slope and people... Rather than trying to slow down the slide, we want to speed up. How fast can we get to the bottom? And not just in one country, globally. There's this decline. With all the science and, and wonders of modern technology, it seems like sickness is increasing. More and more. Recently, I've had friends fall away from the faith and turn away from God. Some of that COVID fallout, some of that just it seems like the world is too enticing. The traps of, of modern philosophy are, are, are dangerous. And honestly, I felt this recently. Like we can feel like we're at the end of ourselves. 
We don't have more to give. When I was a young kid, whenever I sat by the fire, I always had a pocket knife and it was always fun to whittle. Has anyone ever sat by a fire and just whittled away a piece of wood into nothing? That's what we can feel like. It feels like we've been whittled away. One more piece gone, one more slice. I don't have much left. And it can feel like there is no way out. And so like I sat by the side of the road in our spiritual lives, sometimes we can just want to sit by the side of the road and say, I'm done. The question comes to our mind, God, where are you? God, where are you? Well, we're not the first ones to feel like this. And probably not the last. What Judah read this morning is actually part of a prayer of lament that's in part of Isaiah 63, part of most all of Isaiah 64, and part of Isaiah 65. If you want to keep your, your, your finger in Isaiah 64, you can keep that passage open. But it's the remnant of Israel, the people who had been left behind in Israel, as most of them were taken away into captivity. And they're lamenting on how bad things had gotten. You see, they were really only a fraction of their former selves. Once a great nation dominating their area and region with the hand of God helping them and strengthening them, they had been torn apart, many of them taken into captivity into other nations. Things were not looking good. And if you, read these, if you read this whole prayer of lament, you can hear in their voices, is there hope? Is it time to give up? If we read verse 1 of that passage in Isaiah 64 again, they ask this question, they, they cry out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. They were calling out for God. God, would you enter our world? Would you come and help us? Would you come and make yourself known to us? Would you cross the barrier and come and visit us? They were ultimately calling out for the Messiah. God, come. We need you. We're broken. We're lost. We're hurting. We're confused. They were calling out for Emmanuel. God, come and be with us. And then in verses 2 to 4 that Judah read, they proclaim how awesome God is, that he is able, that he is powerful. There's references to times in the past when God had come, whether it, he had come to part the, part the waters or to rescue them. But they longed and hoped for God to come again. God, we need you. And then in verse 5, they say this, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. And then there's the word but in the NIV. There's a problem. But when we continue to sin against them, to sin against God's ways, to disobey, you were angry. And there's this outcry to God. How then can we be saved? God, is there hope? 
Is there anything to look forward to? Will you show up? Because we are broken and hurting. God, how can we be saved? How can we go on? We've got nothing left to give. And then in verses 6 to 7 of Isaiah 64, we learn how bad things are. Read it with me. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Things were bad. They were not obeying. They were struggling. There had been great decline. What were they to do? Sin and sinfulness were a big problem. And they're crying out, God, we need you. Help. God, is there any help coming? We need you. How can we be saved? And for the sake of time, we won't read verses 8 to 11, but they're crying out to God in these verses, asking for help. We continue to hear how bad things are. And then we'll read verse 12. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Again, there's this, this is building of this, this outcry to God. God, are you going to intervene? Will you keep silent? Is help coming? Is there any reason to go on? I think we can feel like this at times, where it just seems like nothing is going right, where things seem to get worse, where God seems distant, where the world just seems to be in constant decline and brokenness and pain and hurt. It seems like there's nothing to trust in anymore. We can, we can cry out and say the same thing, God, will you hold yourself back? Are you going to keep silent? Are you going to keep punishing us? We need you, God. We need you. I love the next verse, next three verses, next two verses, pardon me, of, verse six, of chapter 65. This is God's voice. This is God's answer to that cry. God, will you keep silent? Will you hold yourself back? And this is how God answers. God says in verse six, chapter 65, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here I am. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. God's answer to the question, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent? God's answer is no. I'm waiting. I'm here. I've always been here. I'm waiting for you to call out to me. 
And as we read, if you if, if you have time to read that chapter today, God basically says, "Yes, I will bless and care for those who reach out to me. I will be there. I am here. I've always been here. I'm waiting for you to hope and trust in me." And what's even more incredible, because we get to look over the history, is that God does come. God does come. The Messiah does come. Jesus does come to earth. He does answer their prayers. The Messiah came. That's what Christmas is all about, is a celebrating the Messiah comes. He comes to rescue his people. He comes to help his people. The answer to the world's problems, he comes. Jesus comes to die for our sins and deal with our sinfulness. He gave his life for us. This is what we call the gospel message. The message of God coming to pay the price for our sins. Making it possible for us to be forgiven. Making it possible for us to have a relationship with God. So the answer, God, will you keep silent? Will you hold yourself back? God's answer is no. I'm not going to hold myself back. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and rescue my people to save them from our sins. You know, at the end of the service, I'm actually going to linger in this pew here. I'm going to ask my wife, Liz, to join me. And we're just going to wait for a few minutes. And if you've never made a profession of faith, if you've never made Jesus your own personal Savior, whether you've been attending here for a long time or are new, I would love to talk to you more about what that means to give your life to Jesus and to invite him into your life. Or maybe you're not sure. Maybe you've got a question about that. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you just got questions. We're just going to linger here for a few minutes at the end of the service. It would be my joy to talk more about that with you. Because there are steps you need to take. There are things you need to do to have Jesus come into your life. So I'd love to chat with you. So again, the answer to will you keep silent, God says no. I'm coming. I'm coming. So at Christmas we celebrate his first advent. And we rejoice. Because when Jesus came the first time, he dealt with the problem of sin. We could be forgiven. Our sin has been forgiven. The price has been paid. But even though the consequence of sin has been dealt with, we still need to be delivered from a sinful world. This world is still broken. This world is marred and destroyed by sin. And that's what the second coming will be all about. Jesus comes back as reigning king. And he sets things right. Every tear wiped away. No more pain. No more dying. When Jesus comes again, all this stuff that seems unfixable, all these things we long for that just never seem to get answered, Jesus comes. He will come and set everything right. That's the second coming. He will come 
to deliver us from this broken world. So we live with hope that no matter how bad things get, he is coming again. No matter what we face, one day the king will return and everything will be made right. Can you smell the burger? <laughs> Can you smell that sweet aroma that there's something at the end? It's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. It's time to go on because we have hope, an incredible hope. We need to live with hope. And no matter where you are at, and so many of us stood this morning for prayer, I imagine most of us need a little more hope. Would I be right? We need hope. Whether we are struggling with a serious illness, whether we don't know how we will make ends meet, maybe we're faced with a decision that we just can't seem to figure out. Maybe we're facing a broken relationship with family or friends that just hurts, that we can't seem to fix. In fact, many times, what happens when we try to fix things? They get worse. Lord, are you going to hold yourself back? Are you going to keep silent? God's answer to all these things is, no, I'm not going to hold myself back. I'm here. I'm waiting with hands open. For some of us, Christmas can be actually a very difficult time. It can feel lonely. It can feel like a time where we trust less rather than trust. Whatever the case, without hope, in something more, we can only lament like Israel did. How can we be saved? How will things be okay? I was thinking, what's the opposite of hope? Despair. Things are not going to get better. Things can't be fixed. Nothing else is, nothing's going to work. But we don't have despair to hang on to. We have hope. We have a God who is going to set things right and who will set things right. A little bit farther down in Isaiah 65, God says this, see, verse 17, Isaiah 65, God says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're sitting on the side of the road and you're out of gas, there's hope. Don't give up. Turn to the Lord. He says these words to us. All day long, I have held out my hands to a nation that did not call on me. I said, here am I. Here am I. God is standing, waiting for us with open hands. Let's turn to him and hope. One day there will be a new beginning. Can you smell the burgers? Don't give up. Get up. 
just a little bit longer. Can I pray with you? Please bow your heads. Lord, we turn to you. We need you. Lord, as an act of will, we just hope in you. And we believe that you are coming again. And in this Christmas season, we remember your first advent, but Lord, we look, we look forward to when you will come again. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>